The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's say we just don't get a stimulus bill. What happens if Washington lets us down again and millions of people, especially in the hospitality industry, find themselves struggling to put food on the table? Does that mean we should use a day like today where the averages went up? Dow gained 122 points. S&P climbed 0.80%. NASDAQ advanced 0.50% to sell everything into strength. Not so fast. Like I say every night at the end of the show, there is always a bull market somewhere. And even without a stimulus package, we've got a whole bunch of them that should do just fine. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of breath here. Well, first, there's a relentless bull market in housing. And there you can think Toll Brothers, D.R. Horton, Pulte, and Kramer fave Lennar. These companies are huge COVID winners. When you're stuck working from home, your housing priorities change. Who wants to live in a tiny apartment in the city to save time on your commute when you have no commute? This is the Zoom economy, people. You might as well move to the suburbs or the country where you can have more room. That's why the demand for homes is far outstripping the supply. I kept thinking that mortgage rates would have inevitably rise because the economy is on the rebound, particularly the housing economy. But Fed Chief Jay Powell is a smart guy, and he just told you again and again, but most recently he's committed to keeping rates low for a long time, particularly if there is no stimulus. So you've got a real safety net here. As long as the home builders keep running, everything that goes into a house works, too. So tools by Stanley Black & Decker, appliances, pick up some Whirlpool, furniture, that's Herman Miller for those air on desk chairs, or Wayfair for everything else. Cookware, well, that's obvious. You want Williams-Sonoma. And for all the other essentials, well, there's Costco, Lowe's, and Home Depot. I like every one of these. But your home isn't just the place where you live and work, right? In the age of COVID, it's also an entertainment center. Roku allows you to stream content from the web straight to your TV. And if you want a home theater now that the real theaters are dying off, well, that's Best Buy. The second bull market is related to the first one. That's the remote work tech stocks. When we first went into lockdown, we didn't know what to expect. It was supposed to be temporary, right? A month or two of Zooming, and then we go back to normal. Turns out it's more complicated than that. There are all sorts of security issues when you connect to the office from home, so the whole cybersecurity cohort just keeps getting a boost. Now, my favorites are Zscaler, Cloudflare, and, of course, Palo Alto Networks. It's not just security, though. 
Before COVID, cloud-based software was a great way to boost your business, but now it's become essential. Can't use old-fashioned on-premises software when everybody's off the premise. So the cloud facilitators are getting more business than they ever imagined. Salesforce.com has seen a dramatic acceleration in orders, especially for the stuff that's part of the Work.com cloud, which shows companies and local governments how to reopen safely and efficiently. I think CEOs who try to reopen irresponsibly will ultimately find themselves in hot water because Salesforce has figured out the best way, really the best-in-class way, to pull this off. They don't want to be on the wrong side of angry, sick workers, or more importantly, their lawyers. This new vaccine, uh, doc, this, this vaccine angle that they're taking about how to do that right? Oh, boy, they thought this stuff through. Those are really the obvious bull markets that work without stimulus. Now, let's go into something that's got a little less public exposure that isn't talked much on CNBC. Number one, uh, under the radar bull market, last man standing restaurants. We need this stimulus package because so many terrific smaller restaurants simply can't stay alive with these social distancing rules and worry about the aerosol spray from your mouth. I know my restaurant couldn't. Their collapse is ongoing. And look, we need social distancing, but it would be nice if the federal government forked over some money to soften the blow. The flip side of all these smaller players going under is the remaining large chains can take over the whole industry. I love Wendy's. That stock's been a huge winner for us. I bet it keeps running. I'm not oblivious to the strong same-store sales we just saw from McDonald's, which gave us something that I never expected, a rare upside surprise pre-announcement from McDonald's. Now, some of that's the last man standing effect, and they do have great coffee, by the way, versus a diner. But some of it's the new uh, series of delectable desserts. This is the, the Oreo McFlurry, okay? This reminds me of really good Dairy Queen. Some of it's because Mickey Deets has roped in Travis Scott to promote the brand with insanely successful Travis Scott meal, which is really just a combination of other meals, just so you know. And then how about this? Spicy Chicken McNuggets. This is the first time since 1983 that they've changed something this year. And this is a very, very popular item. Uh, I keep waiting for McDonald's to embrace Beyond Meat. They've got a little deal from it, but I've got to tell you, I mean, that thing is just going to keep going higher. You know what's really driving it? Walmart sells Beyond Meat. I see both those stocks moving inexorably higher. I think young brands ultimately will benefit from the last man standing effect, but the stock's still asleep because the food's still not that great, frankly. Sorry. We have Domino's Pizza on the show tonight. That's been a huge winner, although some people seem bummed about rising costs when it reported today. I say why don't we reserve judgment until we hear from the horse's mouth. Then there's the ever-present Chipotle Mexican Grill. It, it's, it's, I'm betting it's got much more room to run. I also think we're a couple quarters away from a substantial upward revision in the earnings estimate for Starbucks, which is still way off its highs and represents a great bargain, as I tell members of the ActionLordsPlus.com club. The next quiet bull market? Well, this is an odd one that no one's talking about. Parts of apparel. Now, everyone knows that Lululemon's doing well, right? Nike, that doesn't, you don't need me for that. But you do need me maybe for these others. Like Levi's, I, mean, I had them on the other night. I thought that told, I thought, I thought Chip Berg told a great story. Matthew Boss, the genius retail analyst at J.P. Morgan, has got this acronym called LAG. And that's L Brands, which I know has moved a lot. American Eagle Outfitters, what a chart. And Gap Stores, all mall-based COVID casualties that are either seeing as earnings snapback or breaking themselves up to unlock value. I love the sum of the parts stories like L Brands. They tend to creep up over time and then boom. Third, cars, particularly used cars. They may be the hottest under the radar bull market in our country right now. So think Group One Auto was shocked with an upside surprise the other day. Lithia Motors. I only know this because my daughter lived in Lithia. Car, it's, a, it's a town in Oregon. 
CarMax, okay, we all know that one. They come on TV a lot, so does AutoNation and Carvana. I know they're all substantially, but remember, we don't care where these stocks came from. We only care where they're going to, and they are going to use car heaven. Thanks to the pandemic, the whole country has turned against mass transit and carpooling. It's too risky. That's forcing a lot of people to buy cars, and it's cheaper to buy used. So all these used car plays are roaring. Hey, you know what? I also like the sophisticated car parts semiconductors like NXP, which just pre-announced a better than expected quarter, and Marvell, which is on later in the show. Fourth bull market, all right? Uh, It's not exciting. But you know what? Things don't have to be exciting. It's just they don't get talked about on TV because they're unexciting. It's packaging. And not just because there's a lot of Amazon, but because they're closing to, like, the, the supply of packaging is going down. We got a fabulous bull market in linerboard, which my father used to sell, and cardboard, which translates into big gains for international paper, and to a lesser extent, the heavily indebted Westrock. Another boring one, agriculture. So strong that I, I don't care whether you buy the seed and crop protection companies like or Teva, which is the old spinoff of the Dow DuPont, or the equipment makers like uh, Deer, which is just on fire, and, and Agco, which we've had on so many different times. These all work, people. Oh, and don't forget the formerly forlorn chemical companies, which have had some big moves. This morning, PPG pre-announced a better-than-expected quarter, and the stock jumped nearly 5%. I see it going higher. I see that my Dow Chemicals doing well, too. When the chemicals are strong, you know what you want to own? You want to own the railroads. Well, who do you think ships this stuff? You think it's shipping by truck? Let's make this real easy. Norfolk Southern just pre-announced. See the pattern here? Really good numbers. I bet Union Pacific, which we had on recently, has much more upside. Look, there are plenty of other bull markets out there that don't need any stimulus. Some of them are obvious. Some are off the beaten track. But as long as the pandemic's with us, I think they can all keep chugging higher. The bottom line, Main Street may indeed need a stimulus deal. But Wall Street can do just fine without one. And so can your portfolio, as long as you focus on the bull markets that don't need no stinking bailout. John in New York, John. Jimbo, Johnny Shadow from Melville, Long Island, buddy. Oh, July, man, I used to go out with CEO someone from Melville. Hey, that was, all right, here then. What's up? July, you had the CEO of Mattel on. He said he had the number one card game, Uno, was taken off during the pandemic. I wanted to know your thoughts on going into earnings, what you see of Mattel. I actually am encouraged about Mattel. I think that uh, the non-crisis is doing very well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that stock continued to go higher. Remember, this is a strange time. People do things with their families like games. Uh, it's fun. I do stuff with my family now rather than just sit home and work. I like work more than my – I like working, but fam- – hey, let's go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam. Hi, Jim Kramer. How are you today? I am good. How about you, Sam? I'm doing great. Um, since we run in different circles, Jim, and I, and I got you on the phone, I'd like to take a second to thank you um, as a uh, Action Alert Plus Oh, Club fantastic, member. man. We've, we've had some good ones lately. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome job. And, and I've seen through the years how you raise millions of dollars for charity. And, I, and I've seen how you do it. I've seen it firsthand. Thank you. And, I don't talk about it because I grew up, you know, if you talk about it, that means you ain't doing it. So I don't talk about it. Only the blowhards no, talk about the that, charity, right? That's why I'm here now. I want people to know what a great, great American you are. And, uh, thank and you. you. I had two great folks. I had great folks. But go ahead. So how can I help, yeah. man? You're, you're very kind. You're very kind. Uh, thank you for being a great American. 
Thank you. I was hoping to get your thoughts on Unity Software, which, as you know, creates uh, 3D virtual reality content in a lot of the uh, mobile games out there. Sam, they're the real deal. I am not kidding. Of this crop of new companies, they are the real deal. And, while, and I, you know, I got to tell you, you and I don't travel in different circles. We read the same stuff when we talk, we see it. And that's John Riccatello. John, I knew it in electronic cars. He had a little trouble at the end with that Star Wars game. But John's money in the bank. He's like you and me, all right? Anyway, I like Unity. Okay, there's always a bull market somewhere, people. With or without a stimulus deal, we got to stop fretting. I want it for people, but that's, you know, I got something that beats in there, but I also recognize that I am a dollar sign represented by a man on man money today. I'm serving up the deep dish on today's decline in Domino's. And remember, I like the tomato pie, no cheese. They have a button, no cheese, just press it. Don't miss my exclusive to the CEO after its report. Then I got plenty of flack for uh, my take on that uh, Fisker-Spartan energy deal. Right now, could it be the next Nikola? I'm going to revisit because I'm a real swell guy. And a modern Marvell? I'm talking with the CEO of Marvell Technology after some investor. You seen that thing? What a horse! So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. What the heck just happened to the stock of Domino's? This pizza chain has been a huge COVID winner, but today its stock tumbled $30 or 7% in the wake of what some said was an imperfect quarter. Given that Domino's was up more than 45% year-to-date going into the earnings and has rallied from $10 to $400 since we first recommended it on Mad Money, hey, maybe some profit-taking was inevitable. 
That said, there was a lot to like in these numbers. The company delivered 17.5% same-store sales growth. I'm going to repeat that because it's incredibly credible, 17.5%. Wall Street was only expecting 139 Huge. International sales store up 6.2%, even bigger beat. And I've got to tell you, that part of the equation was so much stronger than I thought. There was nothing wrong with Domino's on the revenue side. Problem, profitability. Company earned $2.49, which was a 30 cent miss because of COVID related spending and also higher food costs. So, was this a short term blip in terms of earnings, meaning you need to buy the stock into weakness, or does the cost issue change this fabulous long term story? Let's take a closer look with Rich Allison, the CEO of Domino's Pizza. Get a better read on the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Allison, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me again. Okay, so, Rich, I've got to tell you, I'm a revenue guy when it comes to Domino's. When I see these revenues, I just say, I don't know how much it costs them, but in the era of COVID, they are making a move, and it will not be repealed even after the pandemic's over. If you tell me, on the other hand, that, look, no, Jim, I misjudged the cost. The costs are going to be up. This is the new normal for us. Then I will restrain my bullishness. Which is it? Well, Jim, it was a terrific quarter you know, for us on the top line, as you noted, with 17.5% same-store sales growth in the U.S. and a great quarter in the international business as well. And you know, the, the reality is it's just more expensive to operate you know, in, in, in uh, the coronavirus world that we're living in now. You know, as a restaurant owner, you know as well you know, the, the costs around protective equipment, around cleaning supplies, and also you know, Jim, we're really leaning in, you know, to support our frontline team members with pay uh, and enhanced uh, sick pay policies uh, uh, as well. Combine that with a, you know, a cheese uh, price increase over the course of the summer, and we saw some cost pressures, you know, in the short term. But over the long term, you know, we're, we're continuing to focus on driving that top line. You know, some of these COVID-related costs will certainly abate over the long term. And that's what we're really focused on is taking the opportunity to serve our customers, take care of our team members and position the business for that long term growth. Well, but yeah, these are the kinds of things, for instance, if you had asked me, well, uh, what to think, I would have said, OK, how's America doing? Oh, some of those European markets, whatever. I never thought I'd come here and say China, Japan, Germany. I mean, if these are leading, then I know that your total addressable market was e- is even bigger than I thought. Yeah, so what's happened, you know, Jim, is the markets that were able to stay open and operating through the pandemic, and the U.S. is certainly one of them, so are China, Japan, and Germany. You know, we've seen a nice tailwind for pizza delivery in all of those markets, and our team's here at home and abroad have done a great job of ramping up to serve uh, that demand. Well, I've got to tell you also, you know, one of the things that we uh, we actually watch the commercials at home. My wife loves the commercials during the NFL. And she says, look, I know you just had the Domino's. She knows I love the, you know, the tomato pie. She says, how about this cheeseburger pizza? How about the, the, the chicken taco pizza? I said, I don't know. Let's have them. I mean, these have got to be breakthrough products. They've been great uh, for us, Jim. We just launched them at the end of the third quarter, but customer feedback has just been fantastic. And those two new products, our, our chicken taco pizza and our cheeseburger pizza, you know, are already, you know, our top two performing uh, specialty pizzas uh, in our line. And what they've allowed us to do is to offer, you know, that great high quality product at a terrific value for the customer in the context of our value positioning in the market. So, 
you know, for a three dollar uh, upsell over our five ninety nine uh, menu, our five ninety nine value offering, you know, customers can upgrade to those specialty pizzas. So it's great for them, and it's great for the profitability of our franchisees, also. Do you hear uh, what I hear, which is that my kids get a kick out of the, the pedestal? Because we don't want to get it anywhere. I'm sorry. We don't want to get in your drivers. We're all paranoid these days. But usually we have to have some interaction with the local guys. But you've got the pedestal. How did you come up with that? Jim, our team came up with it because we're just crazy about pizza and pizza delivery. And when we got into this contactless world, we said, how can we make sure that we provide a great experience to the customer if we can't physically hand them that pizza? What if their porch is wet? You know, how do we make sure we get a great product to them? And our team came up with the pizza pedestal. So, you know, here we go. (laughs) One last thing, the GPS. Obviously, I didn't think it would be so important in terms of knowing where the driver is and being able to cut that speed from 30 to 25 to 20 minutes. That technology is working. It is. And, you know, the the thing that you see, you know, as 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 a customer is, you know, it's great because you know where your food is as it's on your way to your door. But for me, the biggest breakthrough in in GPS is really that it makes our stores easier and more efficient to run because the store manager or the team member that's working that dispatch station understands where the drivers are at at all times. And we can get that next order ready to go. And in many cases, Jim, our folks are running that next order out to the parking lot to hand it to the driver uh, so that she or he doesn't even have to come inside the store. Well, I got to tell you, I think these are all the costs are one time. The revenues are continual. Another great quarter from Rich Allison, CEO of Domino's DPC. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you, Jim. Thanks. Yep. All right, guys, look, I'm sticking my neck out here. I think that the costs are not the focus. It's the revenues. It's the share take. It's the international. And yes, I keep insisting to those who have never tried it. It's the darn taste. We have money's back in. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. A couple of weeks ago, we were in a homework segment that ruffled a few feathers. Now, I'm no stranger to people getting mad at me at the Internet. I mean, we know that they do. But even I didn't anticipate the blowback I get for disparaging Spartan Energy Acquisition Corp., which is SPAQ. That's a special purpose acquisition vehicle that's merging with Fisker, another one of these, well, electric car plays. After doing my research, I came to the conclusion that Fisker feels a little too reminiscent of Nikola for comfort. 
Remember, Miko came public by merging with a SPAC, even though it was really more of a business plan than an actual business, and management had a checkered history. Now, I don't think Fisker is a carbon copy of Nikola by any means. That's one, by the way, has imploded in spectacular fashion after we told us told you to be wary of it. But I am wary of recommending electric vehicle plays with no real sales because they have no products. You know, it, in another time, it would be ridiculous to recommend something like this, but we are not in that time. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and Fisker eventually knocks it out of the park, a la Elon Musk and Tesla, which is what everybody's hoping for. They all want the next Tesla. Or maybe they drop the ball and the stock gets crushed. Either way, this is often a show about what I call risk analysis. And love me or hate me, I'm just not that high on Fisker's risk-reward. But since then, I've gotten a ton of blowback on Twitter that I wrote this thing off without presenting the bull case. That's the blue sky scenario for Fisker and Spartan Energy acquisition. So tonight, I want to give you the other side of the trade that the Twitterati are clamoring for. Though if you take a closer look at Fisker, there are still some real red flags here. That's what I focused on a couple of weeks ago. But tonight, I'm going to circle back to the negatives. But first, you should understand why so many people are excited about this one. Even if I think they're wrong, and even if I felt that many of them made ad hominem attacks on me. What's the bull case? Why do so many people seem to love this thing? Okay, well, the CEO, Henrik Fisher, he's got a controversial history, to put it diplomatically. The last time he tried to make an electric car, the company crashed and burned. But Fisker's also a great auto designer. The man knows how to build a beautiful car. Just look at the iconic BMW Z8 or the Aston Martin DB9. When Tesla wanted to make a four-door sedan, guess who they called? Yeah, him. That's street cred. Tesla did later sue him for allegedly stealing the design. Ooh, but Fisker won that one in arbitration. So I don't want to hold that against this admittedly brilliant designer. Last time, I focused on the downfall of Fisker Automotive, the original incarnation of Fisker that crashed and burned in 2012 after their battery supplier went under. There was a ton of litigation at the time. They had to recall a bunch of cars, then suspend production, and shareholders were not thrilled about the level of disclosure. But that's not the whole story. Before the old Fisker Automotive folded, they rolled out the Fisker Karma. That was the world's first luxury extended range electric vehicle car, and that was in 2011. While they sold uh, only uh, two, they sold 2,000 uh, of them, it was truly a gorgeous, groundbreaking car. People love that. As the bulls see it, Henrik Fisker is a visionary. And I think he is. There's just one problem here. The Karma had a bunch of battery fires. The cars got recalled, and a few months later, Tesla rolled out the Model S. You know, that's a suboptimal outcome. Now, though, he's getting another shot. Fisker's new car, the Ocean, is a luxury electric SUV that is pretty cool. Looks that way. Car won't be available until 2022, but it's already won a bunch of awards since it rolled out at the Consumer Electronics Show earlier this year. By the end of July, they had more than 7,000 reservations for the thing. Hey, that's not nothing. It's not nothing. So what's the plan? All right. If everything goes right, Fisker wants to have four different vehicles by 2025. They're thinking a super sports sedan, an extreme sports crossover, and a pickup truck on top of the SUV, all electric. When you hear that, uh, about a, a couple years ago, I went to the Lamborghini factory in Modern Italy. Well, it did sound like that plan sounds like the Lamborghini on alternative energy steroids, the Regeneron of autos. Fisker even has guidance, although I have no idea what they're basing these numbers on. Management says they'll start production in the fourth quarter of, uh, of 2022, when they expect to sell 8,000 units, followed by 51,000 units in 2023, and then 150,000 units in 2024. Now, to me, well, that sounds very optimistic. Tesla didn't even break the 150,000 barrier until 2018. It's six full year of production, but Fisker thinks they can do it by their second full year of production. So call me a skeptic. Of course, if you believe Fisker can really hit these numbers with any confidence, then 
Sure, the company will have spectacular sales growth and could even be free, uh, free cash flow positive by 2023. Again, some of these forecasts to me seem off the wall. I, I mean, look, you know, talking, Fisker's talking about having much higher margins than Tesla did at similar points in its trajectory. I mean, heck, they're planning to have higher margins in 2024 than Tesla does right now, even though this will be their eighth full year of production. I don't know what these guys are smoking, but to me it sounds like I can't get there. On the plus side, Fisker does have a prototype that actually runs, and they plan to start durability testing by the end of the year. And I'll tell you what really does make it so that I wanted to look at this again, and that's because they added Bill McDermott, the current CEO of ServiceNow, and the former CEO of SAP to the board of directors. Honestly, do you know what? That may be the single best thing they have going for them because there's absolutely no reason for Bill to join up with these guys unless he vetted it and figures it's real. For the record, he signed on after my homework piece, and it did make me think twice because he's good as gold. It's the principal reason why I've agreed to revisit it and do this piece. But, man, this still seems very pie in the sky to me. Let me repeat, Fisker currently has no revenue, and they don't even plan to start producing vehicles until 2022, which is why I said it's more of a business plan than a business. Even assuming everything goes as scheduled, I think it's too early to speculate on the story. This is the kind of story where you can, you were, I think you can actually afford to wait. There are a ton of electric vehicle plays that are further along. Check in 12 months from now and see how things are going. They still won't be in production, so you won't miss much. Speaking of production, Fisker plans to outsource its manufacturing just like Nikola. Maybe they'll pull it off. After all, GM was happy to make a deal with Nikola, but outsourced manufacturing is what killed the original Fisker automotive. Now, this deal does have some smart investors, including Spartan Energy's main backer, Apollo. But like I said last time, you can't assume the presence of legitimate investor means that the story's been fully vetted. There were legitimate investors in Vector IQ. That's the SPAC that merged with Nikola. According to, uh, to Henrik Fisker's interview with my friend Phil LeBeau a few months ago, there was a SPAC feeding frenzy for this one, and Apollo finalized the deal extremely quickly. Remember, this happened when stocks like Tesla and Nikola were skyrocketing. Sometimes money managers, they, they do make bad decisions when they're trying to chase the theme. Plus, Spartan Energy was under the gun. If they didn't find a takeover target by mid-August, they would have to close up shop and give back all the money they'd raised. Now, now that you know both sides of the story, let me give you the bottom line here. Even if you believe in the bull thesis behind the Fisker-Spartan Energy deal, I think it's the wrong time to buy when it comes to these special purpose acquisition vehicle deals, you typically get a big spike right out of the gate, and then the stock sells off hard. In July, Nikola plunged from $60 to $30 in roughly two weeks, and that was before all the bad stuff came out. When it comes to Fisker, this thing is underbaked. It's too soon, even for speculation. But I do not want to discourage true believers. It isn't worth my time or theirs. Let's go to Sharon in New York, please, Sharon. Hi. Hi, Jim. Uh, my question is about Lemonade. Now, I don't own them right now. Right. Uh, I will purchase them as soon as the correction happens, hopefully this month. Sometime I'm waiting for it. Um, please tell me how bullish you are about Lemonade, considering, though, that the established insurance companies can acquire all the technology that uh, lemonade has, such as AI, what differentiates them? Well, I, you know, I think that rest- sometimes, Sharon, what you're really doing is betting that people are really, really smart. I mean, I'll give you an example. And I, I, I don't, and lemonade's not in this class, but if you look at NVIDIA, like uh, NVIDIA's got AI, a lot of the companies have AI, but uh, NVIDIA has Jensen Wong, okay? So therefore, they're not the same. Do I think that Daniel Schreiber's team is better than the average artificial intelligence in, uh, in the insurance company industry? Absolutely. 
And that's what made me think that lemonade was good. Let's go to Jose in Florida. Jose. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. First time caller here. I'm a big fan and actually started investing in part thanks to you. Oh, great. Hey, Thank I'm you. Regarding, <laughs> I'm calling regarding uh, Corsair Gaming. They right. recently had their IPO and the stock was red hot. However, over the last few days, the share price has been dropping along with volume. In the first half of 2020, they've experienced over 50% growth in revenue and 5% growth in net profits year over year. My question is, with Logitech being a competitor, trading at four and a half times prior year sales, and Corsair trading currently at 1.4 times prior year sales, what do you see as the long-term outlook for the stock? Well, look, we're best of breed people, and we brought you Logitech with Brack and Darrell, I don't know, 45 points ago. And we did that because we thought that Bracken really understood the space and had the best products and was just a terrific thinker. And that's why we're going to stick with Best of Breed. And I'll tell you, Logitech, up here even on a spike, I like more than Corsair. All right, it's the wrong time, I think, to buy and do the Fisker-Spartan uh, deal. I just don't, I'm not crazy about it right here. All right, much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with an amazing stock, amazing company, Marvell Technology, fresh off an incredible investor day. Then the debate over the oil sector is back again. I'll tell you which two plays I'll consider because I recognize that you just can't resist. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. Some of my favorite semiconductor names are on fire here. It's an acknowledgeable mark. Unlike the bull markets I talk about at the top, everybody knows this one, including Marvell Technologies, which makes chips for networking, communications, and storage. Think 5G, think data center. Here's a stock that surged from $16 at its March lows to around $43 now. More importantly, it's up nearly 61% year-to-date, making this one one of the biggest COVID winners around. A stock we nailed from my Chapel Trust more than 100% ago. Marvell's got two big things going for it right now. The big 5G build-out, which is finally starting to hit its stride, and the possibility of a Biden administration ratcheting back the trade war with China. Now, the company just held its first investor day in two years, and they told a pretty bullish story. But do not take it from me. Let's check it in with a friend of the show, Matt Murphy, the president and CEO of Marvell Technology Group. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Murphy, welcome back to Mid Money. Hi, Jim. How are you? Great, Great to see you. Well, Matt, you really put on a great show, and I think that in a very informative deck, you made it very clear that your company is not the company of a couple years ago. In fact, your company is very much the company of the future. So I want you to tell our viewers exactly what's changed and how you are in the sweet spot. Yeah, great, Jim, and thanks for having me on. I mean, it's been an incredible transformation journey that I've been fortunate to be involved here at, at Marvell. I think if you look back just a few years, even when I came on your show the first time, we were talking about you know hard disk drives and, and storage and some of those key drivers. And now you fast forward to our analysts today, day to day, and we, I think, told a very compelling story about our strong position in three of the hottest markets in the world, which is really 5G, uh, data center and cloud, and automotive uh, in the future. So uh, really, I think the company's aligned to uh, three key growth areas in a very large and growing available market. Just to give you a sense, we're in about $110 billion PAM today, of which we address about $20 billion of that with our current products. But in the future, we're driving multiple adjacencies to go after the whole $100 billion. 
I want to go after uh, and go over cloud and data center. But there's a company that you know well, NXP Semi, that tonight pre-announced a much better than expected quarter. Frankly, I see very big similarities in terms of what you're doing in automotive. Most people think automotive is a bad category to be in, but you know better. Yeah, I mean, Jim, I, I actually have a lot of experience in automotive at my prior company. I led the effort there, and that was really during the age of the infotainment revolution, when a lot of consumer devices and smartphone technology made its way into the vehicle. When I look out over the next 10 years, I am convinced the next big wave of demand for semiconductors and automotive is going to go to those companies with the data-centric IPs, companies that have processor capability, storage capability, advanced networking. And if you look at the cars of the future, and even today, we've got 24 car OEMs now using Marvell technology inside to do all of the complex networking and routing of the data inside the car. That's 24 car OEMs, Jim, seven of which are in the top 10 auto manufacturers in the world. So while there are similarities between us and our friends in NXP, they're, they're a very established existing supplier into automotive. Mm-hmm. Where the puck is headed is really where, where Marvell uh, is gonna shine, which is really when, when the data-centric technologies make their way into the cars of the future. Oh, definitely. Now, last night, my wife and I were watching a program. We have a cord-cut TV uh, with Roku, and uh, it, you know, the blue circle came on, and we're waiting, and she said, Layla, maybe I'll go up. You want a beer? I'll come back. It'll be on. And I said to her, you know what? One day this won't occur. One day it'll be instant on. Just like when you watch those ESPN sports highlights and you're waiting and waiting, that won't happen. 5G, right? That's 5G. Absolutely. I mean, on 5G alone, you know, the latency, which is really what you're talking about, is, is these delays, is improved by a factor of 20x over prior generations. And in, in trials that are already out there, the line rates of 5G are equivalent to those, in many cases, of wired infrastructure. And so whether that's in your handset, whether that's in your home, whether that's in your car, your enterprise, 5G is going, going to be extremely ubiquitous. And that cycle that we're, uh, we have really all in front of us still, Jim, I mean, there's really only been one major geography in the world today that's deployed 5G, and that's Korea. The U.S. is gearing up. China's in full swing. The Europeans are starting to talk about it. Obviously, when India goes, it's going to be very large. And then, of course, we have the upcoming um, Apple event, which you know is widely rumored to be the introduction of a of a 5G enabled iPhone, which I think could drive a tremendous demand for these types of services and, and eliminate the blue spinning wheel uh, that you uh, that you mentioned. All right, yeah, finally, maybe the biggest data center. Could be, right? I mean, we've seen an explosion this year in data center. We thought that we were in the ninth inning of the cloud, a lot of us. I, I don't know. I'm back thinking we're in the second inning. We're, we're in the very early innings, Jim. I mean, 5G's in the early innings. And I think, you know, obviously the work from home environment and all of the dynamics we've been going through dur- during COVID-19 has really accelerated digital transformation. It's accelerated cord cutting. The demands on the cloud have been uh, been tremendous from consumers and businesses. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. When we talk to our cloud customers, they are talking about deploying massive amounts of infrastructure to support these growing demands. 
we're a key part of that, Jim. We have very specialized processing that we provide for the data center and the cloud. It's called a data processing unit, mm -hmm. just like you have a CPU or a central processing unit or a GPU, like a general graphics processor unit. There's a new category called DPU, and that's for very data-centric, data-demanding applications. So that's one trend. And then the second in the cloud is, because of all this demand, the cloud customers themselves are starting to design their own silicon, and they need partners to work with them to enable all these new use cases and ultimately solve the bandwidth challenges that you're talking about. So I think overall cloud is certainly in the early innings, but I would say for Marvell, that's the next big growth driver for us behind 5G. And today at the analyst day, we articulated our, our strong view that cloud is at least as big an opportunity for Marvell, if not a larger opportunity for us in the future because of the bigger TAM that we're going after. Well, I, I know. I mean, I was, you know, when you have a double like my Chapel Trust said, we were so tempted to take some off. I said, let's hear, uh-uh, uh-uh. He's got more ahead than any other yep. semi I know. Maybe NVIDIA, you and NVIDIA will give it that. I want to thank you, Matt Murphy's presidency of Marvell Technology. Congratulations on a great analyst meeting. People loved it. Good to see you, yeah, sir. Hey, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you take care. We recommend stocks on the show that we have long-term view, not trading, okay? This is not just putting it in the lineup and taking it out the lineup like it's some sort of fantasy football. This is real. Man, money's back here for the break. It is time. It's time for the night around. What's the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Let's go with Shane in New York. Shane! Jimmy Chill, Booyah! Booyah back! First time caller, long time viewer. My sincere thank you for all you do. Thank you. show for over 15 years with my dad. The company I'm calling about was founded in the basement of your home state in New Jersey. They have POS systems and payment processing. I know who you like in the space, but they have four POS brands, one Harbor Touch, multiple patents, QR codes for contactless payments, $3.5 in annual processing. Just signed the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm up 30% of my IPO. Buy, sell, or hold, ship four payments. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to do more work on it because you're absolutely right. I was just going to say Square. Why reinvent the wheel? Let's stick with Square or maybe go with PayPal. But we're going to look at four, F-O-U-R. That sounds too compelling not to. And I thank you for bringing it to our attention. Daniel in Massachusetts. Daniel. Hi, Jim. Thank you very much for taking my call. I oh, appreciate that. Very welcome. I, I think you're the man with the plan. What do you think of Limelight Network? Oh, L-O-N-W. Okay, we used to have them on all day, and you know what I have to say? It almost dropped off the radar screen and went under two, and that's why I said, you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be buying Akamai! Let's go to Bob in Alabama. Bob! Booyah from Birmingham, Jim. Oh, good to have you on the show. I'm blessed to have a master's degree, but I got my PhD from Kramer University, and I cannot thank you enough. Well, I remember when I awarded to you. I was at the ceremony, remember? <laughs> My stock is CRISPR Therapeutics. I have a 60% gain. Should I cash in? No, don't. In? No, this is real. CRISPR's the real deal. And I think you've got a very good one, and I like them very much. Let's say yes to CRISPR. Okay, now why don't we go to Carlos in Florida. Carlos. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, wanted to get, 
Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on Virgin Galactic Holdings. Yeah, well, I think that's ultimately a, a gigantic short squeeze and not much more than that. Uh, I don't see anything in the near term that tells me that that is a winner. So I, all you're doing is playing the ups and downs of the uh, motions of the stock. Let's go to uh, Craig in New Jersey. Craig. Thank you so much for taking my call. I want to speak with you about Visa that I've done well with over the years, but I think it's time to switch into Boeing so I could soar with the earnings. All right. We just decided after years of disliking it, uh, ever since the problems, we decided for ActionOwnersPlus.com, my travel trust, that it was time to start buying Boeing. Not aggressively, but right here. We're going to talk about it at our conference. Boeing is right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Here we go again. Whenever traders see oil jump through 40 bucks, they reach for the oil stocks that historically make fortunes from higher crude prices. I think it's now a questionable call, maybe even longer term ill advised. But let's parse this thing together so you know why I've said over and over again to fade this group after any decent run. Look, I'm not blind. I see oil creeping up. I know there are parts of the economy that are growing stronger as states reopen. I think people may even start flying again if they ever start to recognize that planes have phenomenal air filters, which is why there have only been 19 documented instances of COVID on planes or in airports since the pandemic began. Now, I'm sure maybe the number is higher, but flying is still a lot safer than most people assume, uh, especially when they started wearing masks on masks as the pandemic hit in. Plus, even without air travel, driving has made a huge comeback because people are afraid to take mass transit or carpool. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. When you see these spectacular used car sales, you know there's going to be more demand for oil. But demand is not the problem here. See, it's the supply side that I'm worried about. Oil can only trade so high before producers turn on the spigot to help ameliorate strapped balance sheets, and more supply hits the market, which in turn pushes prices right back down. In the past, OPEC would have stopped this kind of overproduction, but we found so much oil in the United States that OPEC is irrelevant, and our producers don't have a cartel. Of course, American producers have wised up. They don't just mindlessly turn on the spigot, but we've got so much pipeline infrastructure that they can pump aggressively whenever crude passes above the $40 level. And then if they want to, they can export it to overseas with these really beautiful, uh, really beautiful docks they have now to be able to have giant boats come in. And that's why crude hasn't been able to break out in ages. Yet, yet people are buying the oil stocks here because they're jonesing for laggards. So even though I think this whole industry is in trouble, let me give you the ones that will hurt you least if I'm right about the supply problem. First, just yesterday, CNBC's own Becky Quick interviewed Mike Worth. He's the CEO of Chevron, smart fella, and his company has supplanted Exxon as the king of the group. While no company can guarantee, truly guarantee its dividend these days, at least of all the oil companies, I trust Mike to protect Chevron's payout, which currently yields almost 7%. That is better than a sharp stick in the eye. Worth also knew to drop out of the bidding war for Anadarko Pete when Occidental paid an astounding $55 billion for it. Instead, Chevron bought Noble Energy for $5 billion, picked up some amazing properties in the Permian Basin and off the coast of Israel in what may be the largest natural gas field on Earth, Leviathan. Second, if you want a fast-growing producer, I want you to go with Parsley Energy. And this one's at 10 bucks. I bet you you buy this one tomorrow. It's got great management. And bizarrely for an American oil company, they actually care about the environment. Sure, they're still in the fossil fuel business. Oh, but they're trying. Other than that, I say stay away from the whole group because my long-term forecast is grim. 
The reason? Regardless of who wins the election next month, it'll be bad news for the oil industry. President Trump is a drill, baby, drill kind of guy who you'd think that they would be good for the companies, right? But the whole problem is now we've got too much supply. Drill, baby, drill has crushed the price of crude. As for Vice President Biden, he may not, be, he may not ban fracking. Uh, but Democratic presidents tend to hit the whole oil complex with more rules and regulations, which is really bad for profits. OK, and there I want you to think what they'll do for flaring, which is this flame you see from the sky, from the airplanes and, of course, from Mars. Either way, the future doesn't look great for the oil complex. That said, I expect oil to mount one more run because so many investors are counting on it between here and your end. More and more money managers recognize that oil, though, is uninvestable. And that doesn't mean, though, that it's not untradeable. As the price of crude works its way to 45, I am blessing you and saying, listen, go buy Chevron or Parsley for a trade. Chevron's got that dividend. Parsley's got the growth. But the rest, you are on your own. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.